Welcome to the Ari Zoldan Show, where you'll be able to sit in on conversations with leading CEOs, executives, and founders of some of the most innovative and cutting-edge companies of today. You'll learn about blockchain, cryptocurrency, clean tech, and other industries that are pioneering the new economy. Ari brings his years of experience as an on-air TV commentator to the mic for a packed dialogue of education, information, and in-depth interviews. It's all here, right now. Here's your host, Ari Zoldan. Hey, it's Josh Carey right here on 710 WOR, the voice of New York, and anytime you wish, day or night on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back into the show. I have such an exciting guest today. I have to give you a little bit of a backstory. We had met in person not too long ago at a at an NFT event here in the great city of New York. And for for my money, it just wasn't enough time on the mic. It is Mark Lapresti. And I said, Mark, would you like to come back in studio and record a more formal conversation? And you said... Tell me when and I'll be there with bells on. And there he is. It is Mark Lapresti. I'm just going to give a bit of the picture here just so the listener has context, not to judge or identify you or even pigeonhole you into anything. But... Today is going to be all about the evolution of media. And what that means for you is that no matter who you are today, no matter where you are today, no matter what your pursuit is today, you are going to figure out how to stake your claim even further, which is really what we all want on some level. Let's be real, isn't it? We want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to make an impact, make a difference. And Mark is beyond uh, knowledgeable in this arena, least of which spent 20 plus years as a lawyer. Okay, fine, whatever, right? At the age of 18... Don't hate me for that, Joe. We don't want to start off on the wrong foot with your listeners with a lawyer thing. Well, that's why I'm you know, brushing right <laughs> past it. I start there and we finish strong. I love it. You also, at the age, the ripe age of 18 years old, you started a, a few decade old career on Wall Street, on the New York Stock Exchange, and you've been on, on, on TV more times than one can count. Give us a count though, so we have an impression. Wow, that's a good question. I, I've enjoyed being a contributor on most of the major mainstream media, financial networks, CNBC, Fox, Bloomberg. Talking um, about what? Yahoo Finance. Talking about markets. Well, well, when I started out 13 or 14 years ago, Josh, it was a start that was opportunity given to me by uh, the famous Maria Bartiromo from Fox. Maria at the time was on CNBC. We had met actually when I started on the floor of the New York, as you mentioned earlier, Maria was was working down there at the time. She was the only woman on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, which was no small challenge for her. Um, and she had suggested when we reconnected some 10 years later that I uh, try my hand at coming on CNBC and, and doing some guest spots. And I did. And my uh, my media, illustrious media career was launched from there, and, and, and here I am with you on this great network. Well, thank you for that. So you have a lot of uh, a lot of knowledge and insight. Before we get into the evolution of media, which is going to dissect where we've been, where we are, mm-hmm. and so much of intrigue, where we're going with 
where we are now. Talk to me about the current market, because we all know where it is now, but how should we feel? What do we need to know? What's your impression of it? Well, I think how we should feel, uh, we know how the American consumer is feeling because consumer confidence numbers came in just a few days ago, late last week. Worst levels in, I think, 10 years. We are in an inflationary environment. Duh, writing is on the wall at that point, right? We're in a rising interest rate environment and a confluence of global macro events that, thankfully, we have not really seen before. Coming out of a global pandemic, crisis in in Europe, in in the Ukraine, global supply chain dislocation, shortages of commodities, record heat waves. I know I'm I'm painting what sounds something like of an apocalyptic picture, Josh, and I hate to do that because I'm, I'm really a bull and an optimist at heart. But it's impossible to ignore these factors, which are making it really difficult for for the Fed to tame an inflationary situation that was happening, notwithstanding all of those global macro things that I'm talking about. So what's happening? So we've enjoyed a multi-year bull market, helicopter money, stimmy checks dropping from Washington, making it rain like it was 4 a.m. at 11 nightclub in Miami. Not that I would know personally. (laughs) And the system was just flush with cash, right? And when the system's flush with cash, you have these sort of artificially created bull markets. That is something that has come to an end this year, rather abrupt end. So you've got interest rates going up. You've got a housing bubble to contend with. You've got a labor market that's really sort of a tale of of two cities, if you will, from a labor perspective. So bottom line, we're in bear market territory. We're going to stay there for a while. I am loathe to use the R word, the recession word. There's a chance that we go into a true recessionary period as measured by by Wall Street statistics. I'm hoping that we don't, but you know, I'm hoping that folks don't overextend themselves on their credit cards because unfortunately American consumers tend to do that. They react to inflationary pricing situations by just going deeper into debt and and, and I hope that doesn't happen, but going to be choppy in rough markets for a while, Josh. I think pivoting in conversation now to the creator economy, which I think we've been in for some time now, and it's certainly not going away. And one can argue that I mean, that's that's all we've done as human beings since the beginning of time is creator. But fine. Right now, people want to embrace that. And some people shy away from it, which I think no matter who you are, no matter what executive of what company you're in right now, you have to embrace the creator mentality. What do you say about that? Well, you're right. I mean, we we have been creators since the first time, you know, the uh, cavemen put drawings <laughs> on the inside of caves. What's what's changed is the ecosystem of the creator economy. What's changed is more power is being put in the hands of content creators and whatever your medium of content is, be it art, music, film, radio, and podcast, whatever your means of, of expressing your creativity, whatever that output is, technology, consumer behavior, and, and, and massively disruptive changes in traditional the media, traditional media ecosystem is giving everyone a chance to be a creator. And I got to tell you, the way things look right now in terms of the production, distribution, creation of content, film, music, podcast, radio, it is going to look so different in five short years from now that we won't we won't recognize it in a good way. Can you give us insight? Yeah, what, abso- yeah. sure. What, yeah, absolutely. Technology is enabling 
content creators to create content at a very low cost and reach a very broad audience very efficiently. Things like TikTok, Instagram, social media, that's part of it. That's not the entire picture, but that's certainly part of what catalyzed or got this content creator independence and power snowball rolling down the hill. No longer do I need to, if I'm a musician, no longer do I need to go to Warner or one of the incumbent music labels and hope and beg and pray that I get picked up and they sponsor a demo and one cut, two cuts, see how it goes. So many great names and artists who were launched from studios like this and and K-Rock in in L.A. You know, now I can create those tracks. I can do it on my phone or even on my laptop, and I can use social media to distribute and to get eyeballs and ears on that content. And if I'm really savvy, I can lean into things like blockchain technology. And I'm talking about cryptocurrency. I'm talking about blockchain technology itself, smart contract technology, to make sure that I get paid for that content and get paid consistently for that content. And the music industry, unfortunately, has a terrible reputation historically of, shall we say, not paying musicians their fair share for the content they created. And we're just scratching the surface. Oh, yeah, certainly. And we're going to talk about blockchain further. We're going to talk about crypto. We're going to talk about Web3 in detail. I want to stay on the creator focus for a little bit here. So give us a a timeline of how the outlets and the mediums have changed from the old days of fireside chats on the radio to streaming media today and everything in between. Yeah, it's I sort of have this visual evolution of man picture in my head that I'm going to have somebody do for me at some point in time, maybe. But, you know, we went from, as, as you said, you know, that Norman Rockwell-esque picture of the family huddled around the, the stand-up radio, you know, listening to like H.G. Wells, you know, War of the Worlds and things like that. And, and I want to put a pin in something because it's interesting how the popularity of podcast media has sort of brought us back to that in a really cool way, but but we'll come back to that. Okay. So we went from that to, to broadcast TV. You know, I'm old enough to remember the the 13-inch black and white with the with the rabbit ears, and you had to hold it just right to make sure you could see Magnum PI or whatever the show was at the time. To cable, which was this really cool, oh my God, instead of having 11 channels, I've now got 140 channels or 200 channels, and all of this additional content. Well, cable start to be, became expensive. We then had 400, 600, 700 channels. 700 of which or 695 of which we don't watch. So people said, well, you know, this doesn't make any sense. The internet evolved to the point that streaming and cord cutting became possible, right? So as soon as that happened, I mean, I, for one, living here in New York City, I ditched Time Warner Cable, which I think at the time I was paying 300 and something. It was like a car payment. I know. It was absurd. Literally. Like like so many things in our fair city. So this is great. Let's cut the cord. Let's pick the streamers that we want. And I, you know, I need Netflix or I need Hulu and I'll be fine. Well, here's the problem. I get Netflix to watch Stranger Things, perhaps. I watch. I get ESPN Plus because I like to watch European soccer or football, as they call it in the rest of the world. I have a kid, so maybe I watch Disney Plus. I like to get the broadcast channels that I miss from cable, so I get Hulu to get Hulu Plus to watch Fox and CNN and CNBC and all the mainstream media news outlets. And now I'm back to a dog's breakfast of subscriptions that are adding up basically to what I had before. And the content's just not there to meet my needs. And, and you know, 
You only need to look, Josh. This is a major announcement that came out. I guess it was about three weeks ago because I reported on it for a couple of those MSM financial networks that I mentioned before, which was Netflix in conjunction with their last earning announcement saying for the first time that they lost more subscribers than they gained, right? Subscriber attrition, as it's called, Uh at an all-time high. That is a canary in the coal mine, if I can use that expression, as to what's starting to happen in going to what I'm referring to, sort of streaming 2.0. Yes. (laughs) I'm with you. Thank you for that break, though. See, you're a pro on the mic. You know when to let it up. You know when to volley. You know when to give it take. You know, technique. I try. I try. It's not lost. And I didn't even take theater, but maybe I should (laughs) have. So, so, Wait, so you were a lawyer for tw- no. So no, well, mind. there you go. So never there mind. was there was theater incumbent in that. that yeah. That's that's very true. But um, and I think we're all actors. But that's a whole other episode. It's a whole other. It's just yeah. to tell me when we'll come back and yeah. do something about that. Sure, I'm, I'm uh, with you. My my the point of all of this, where all of this is heading, is consumer behavior. Right, mm. what we are willing to do as consumers. We all said a few years ago when we cut the cable cord. I've seen my last ad. <laughs> I won't, right? I mean, yeah. I don't have to watch an ad for, you know, pick whatever, Arby's, yeah. or that doesn't yeah. make a difference. I've seen my last ad. I never have to watch ads. Well, here's the reality. People, in fact, are willing to watch an ad or two, reduce or eliminate those subscription costs to watch content that they care about and not be bombarded with content that they're not interested in or that doesn't have the value that they're looking for and- to that point you also heard in that earnings call going back to netflix and i hate to pick on netflix but it's it's easy to right now and i'm i'm a known netflix bear on on wall street in terms of where i think the stock is headed and it's and it's performed on brand since i i made that call earlier in the year early in the year but netflix even in that same earnings call said you know what we're thinking about going to a paid advertising model and you're like oh wait a second now what (laughs) are we just back to having the you know the traditional cable the other thing is Bite size. Like, I have a 14 year old daughter, which is, which of course has its own challenges, particularly here in New York City. But I said to her the other day, I said, you know, I, I, let's watch a movie. And she's like, Dad, watch a movie. <laughs> like, what, you want me to sit and watch the same thing for an hour? And, and of course, I had picked a No Time to Die, the new James Bond movie, which is like 220, right? To her, she's like, you, you gotta be out of your mind. I watch. My content in six to eight minute uh, sound bites and clips, right? And it's not just everybody says, oh, that's TikTok and, and, and uh, this and that. No. Content creators and the streaming 2.0 participants, which is just starting, we're in the early innings of this, Josh, recognize that. And the content is now being created in those more soundbite type of components, and it might mean taking an interview like this that's 45 minutes or an hour and chopping it into eight-minute segments, and they'll binge it, right? They might watch an hour of it, but they can stop. So all of these trends, all of these things is really, really changing from consumer behavior to the streaming wars to the business models, the flawed business models of a lot of the streamers. You saw CNN, CNN+. Plus. $35 $35 million. CNN Plus three weeks later. No, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry. That, that, that was like, were they eating ice cream too fast? Like, what, what, what happened there? And that was an acknowledgement. They're not going to get subscribers. And, and that's, that's not me making a statement about uh, the quality of the network or it's uh-uh. right or left or, yeah. or what have you because that's not appropriate. 
but it was a realization that that model is is dying. It it is dying. So you have an idea of what might be next. Yeah. You're working out in California. You you're you're working with some people who are you're sort of taking next steps. How do you wait? What? Where? There, there. So there are there are some some well-known trad media, as the the blockchain guys like to call it, traditional media players yep. with with really really big followings, mm-hmm. uh, millions and millions and millions of, of of viewers on their various channels and 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 networks, if you will, that see something is afoot, right? That are also, unfortunately, very susceptible and very concerned about cancel culture, mm. particularly in comedy. And, and, and both of these individuals that you and I have talked about before are, are, are in comedy. So the idea that there may be a new, a new ecosystem, really, where I can create, distribute, monetize content that I am ultimately independently in control of not only for how I engage with my audience and how I get paid, but what I say so I don't have to worry that a new network exec is going to decide that something I said may have offended 0.2% of of the population. Those are appealing to them, but traditional mainstream media Hollywood also, in in much the way that the record industry when the Spotify and the streaming all started 15 years ago or so, sort of put their fingers in the ears and we're hoping that that wasn't happening and we see how that changed now apple music completely changed the game on the music industry but they see that something's afoot but they're not really totally sure what's going on and how to lean in and so as an investor and an entrepreneur i see an opportunity and so we're trying to help make some of that happen is this a play of creating content differently, marketing it differently, producing it differently? What is this a play of? Yes. Yeah. Yes. All to, of to, that. To, yes to all that. All and of what, that. What, what's what's funny about it is then the content that 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 I I create because my business partners and I have a couple of shows that are on digital streaming media and some of these independent ad based networks that we talked about before. And I guess I come from a traditional media background of makeup and lights and all of that kind of stuff. And I keep getting told by the people that run these organizations, bring your production values down. And I'm like, why? Oh, wow. Well, because think about this, especially the younger consumers, Josh, they're, they're used to watching grainy TikTok videos that aren't even shot on a tripod. Yeah. So, yes, the way content is being created is changing. It's much more organic. It's much more... Authentic is a word that I hear a lot. Um, the way that it's being distributed, again, both through these independent streamers, and I'm not just talking about YouTube, right? Because YouTube has become a very it's it's got an important role mm-hmm. and has definitely played a role in the evolution of the independent content creator, content creator as talent production, distribution, monetization, and marketing, right? Sort of all all in one, and and YouTube is one of those platforms, but but it goes far beyond that. But what it really enables is for content creators to engage with their audience in a way that they were not able to do so before and to, and to monetize. People used to say, oh, you, you need at least a million, quote unquote, followers. Well, what, you know, what does that really mean, right? If it's 900,000 people that don't care, mm. then they're not worth anything. I'd rather have 10,000 people that are rabid fans and are willing to pay or watch an ad to see my content. And what we're talking about, does this apply to 
Hollywood like we've seen, yes. But also, what about the executive of a Fortune 500 company? Because they have a role to produce content as well. Yeah. No, they do. And, I mean, you've certainly seen just in terms of corporate communications and public public relations, you hear less now about just issuing press releases and you hear far more about, you know, a, a term that maybe gets bantied about too much but is really valid, which is, you know, thought leadership, right? Mm-hmm. Communication through thought leadership, through content creation, public appearances, going to events. I mean, my event calendar, if I remember correctly, had 52 live uh, event appearances this year. And the one that I saw you at last week was not even on there because it was sort of a last minute invitation from the uh, from the producer. But yeah, corporate America is, is definitely leaning into this. And traditional Hollywood, they know something's afoot, Josh. They don't know quite what, but as I think I was telling you, a little anecdote, I was speaking at a, at a conference in L.A. back, I guess it was late February or early March, that was on NFTs and blockchain and using this technology for independent content creation. It was 7,000 people there. It was doing a podcast packed room. And I noticed on the jumbotrons to my right and left, the logos of the sponsors. And it was the crypto.coms and nft.com and those usual crypto suspects. And then Warner Brothers. And the person that was interviewing me turned to me and said, Mark, what, what, is, what is Warner Brothers doing at an NFT and a crypto conference? And my answer was, they're here to figure out what the heck is going on because they know that change is afoot. A smart move by yeah. Warner Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about the need and desire to, to build an audience in modern times. And it's, it's, it's always been a need for the executive, for the content creator, for the entrepreneur, for the business owner. You say that there's still never a better time to start. Talk to that. Yeah, well, because one of the key things that were controlled by traditional media studios, right, was not just the means of production, but the means of distribution and, and audience engagement. They had, they had the audience. I had to go to a record label. I don't want to beat up on any particular component of the entertainment industry, but it's for context, I think we got to talk about it. I have to go to that record label that's already got that distribution machine, mm. and they've got the audience waiting for me. This new ecosystem of entertainment and content creation turns that on its head, too, where the content creator, the talent can build their own audience, can build their own fan base and monetize that audience and that fan base. And you saw, I mean, a couple of great examples. Last year, uh, Kings of Leon, they were the first band ever to issue, and I think it was an entire album, exclusively on the blockchain. They did it as an NFT, but but don't let that distract you because people go, oh, NFTs are this or that and the other thing. Maybe they mm-hmm. are, maybe they're not. Mm-hmm. But they, they were one of the first mainstream bands to l- really lean into this, adopt this new technology platform, issue an album entirely using that technology, and you're going to see more and more and more of that happening. So you spent a few dozen appearances being invited to speak at events, you said. Mm-hmm. How does one get to that point? What are some of those first steps or necessary components that even allow that to happen? The event circuit. Well, you know, the event circuit's a little different when you're talking about being a speaker. You know, I spent a lot of time, frankly, in the early days of my career paying to go to those events and getting to know the the sponsors and the producers. And then as my media side uh, 
became more successful as I did more and people saw me more on television or what have you, I would be invited to come and speak and even paid to come and speak at, at many of these things, which is which is terrific. That that's still a little bit trad media, if you will, in terms of how to how to do that. Although at a lot of these crypto events and a lot of these blockchain and NFT events, like like the one that you and I met at recently, they are giving a platform for young creators that have no resume really to speak of other than the project that they're that they're talking about or they're engaged in at that particular event, which I think is a good thing. A lot of what we're talking about, Josh, is giving a voice, right, to talent and content creators, disintermediating those roadblocks to engaging with that audience, right, through technology. I mean, it's the simplest way to sum up what we're talking about. Yeah, and it seems like that phrase has been since the beginning of time. No matter what the message was, no matter what the medium was, like you said, whether it was cavemen scraping sure. on, on walls, that's the technology of the time. Right. So I think that there's a danger for some people to really get left behind because I'm, I'm glad you brought up the whole press release example where that's been the go-to thing that so many hung their hat on for years. And that yep. was... but. It, times are changing. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. I, it, there's still something you got to do, but less and less and less, particularly you know, as we have younger and younger people and younger and younger executives coming into these roles where they're interacting with those forms of media, they will continue to be you know less and less relevant. But I, I love it. I want to come back to this in part because of the setting that we're here in mm -hmm. right now. But I love how there are some sort of human tendencies that come back, right? And we started talking about, you know, the early origins of evolution media and people sitting around listening to, you know, a stand-up radio and, and radio shows before the advent of television. And look at where radio and the podcast industry has come. It's almost like we've come back there, right? And it's not just people on their Pelotons are stuck on the 405, Josh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Again, I disagree. I'm, yeah. Well, I'm with you there. I, I love how you said that younger and younger executives are coming yep. in. Yeah. So there's d does that suggest that because there's a younger and younger audience, is that why they're coming in? What, what's happening there? Well, yeah, the, the, the baby boomers are, are retiring or have retired already. So I think it's just sort of an evolution of the species. But leaning into in, engaging with an audience of one's peers, I think, is, is, is also part of that evolutionary process. And, you know, I think in, in a lot of ways, and you see this happening like with Disney, we, we just have to be a little bit careful that we don't go so, so far in cancel culture as to make things completely benign and, and, and lacking in any authenticity, right? Because... That's just not who we are as people. And it worries me a little bit that comedy in, in particular is has mm. also suffered a bit as a result of going, you know, too far. Like we can't if 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 something is potentially going to offend point oh 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 one percent of the population, we, we gotta take it out. Thought leadership. You brought that up. Great yeah. phrase. I'm all for it. I get it. 
talk on that. Where does somebody listening, how do they begin to embrace and execute on that? What does that look like? Well, you got to decide what you're good at, right? And 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 lean into that. I'm still trying to decide what what I'm good at, so I tried to be good at a bunch of things so I could I could enjoy these kinds of invitations. And then it comes down to messaging as well, right? It it uh, it does. Of course it does. Messaging is very very important. But again, leaning into some of the stuff that we were talking about earlier, because I now have this ability through social media and through how I control my own public profile, that I can build an image, I can build a brand without having a whole media team around me, right? And that's that's changing the game as well. So you have, you're in talks and partnerships with people of all all levels of success, helping them create projects and content. How do you, where is the line between thought leadership on your personal brand versus a company or brand that you're representing? For me personally? No. Oh, in, in, in general? Yeah. yeah. Well, look, I think aligning Building, building that personal brand and that personal image, and this is so. This is a great question because influencer marketing is such a huge thing. And there are there are firms. I had a call just an hour before coming up here to the studio with a, an LA based. I guess you would call them a PR firm, but all they do is manage a stable of influencers and help match that stable of influencers with brands with companies that fit within that style, that vibe, that that demographic. It's a new world, it, isn't it? Oh, that it, that even exists. There's no doubt. And, and, and we're actually even sort of in the third or fourth inning of that new yeah. world where yeah. you don't have to be a Kardashian with 30 million followers to get paid as an influencer because of the way we can micro-target and engage wow. with the audience. You can be an influencer with 100,000 followers and if those followers like we said before Josh are really rabid interested and have a true affinity to your brand and what you have to say you'll you'll get you'll get paid for connecting with them so what was the thought you were going to say about an hour before you were here you, you that you were on the phone with these this, this company oh I, well I was listening to them explain they had just been hired by a public company that I'm an investor and an advisor to I won't say which one. And they were explaining their strategy of how they were going to find the right influencer in their state. And they have hundreds of influencers from people with millions of followers to people with, you know, again, a hundred. I think the minimum is like 100,000, right, to try to explain how they were properly making that, that match of, you know, what is the brand identity of this public company? What what is what are they trying to communicate to the market in terms of what people should think? It, you know, it reminds me of sort of like the old Mad Men days when, you know, you you do the ideation. You say, okay, well, you know, Campbell's soup, and what does it make you think of? You know, well, it's warm and it's tasty, and it makes me think of home and mom and dad. And you'd go sort of this wordplay thing, and you'd have a whiteboard or chalkboard probably back then <laughs> with with all of these adjectives that describe the brand. So you go through this exercise of you know understanding what is the brand identity, what do people, what do we want consumers to think when they think of our product or service, and then match the advertising to that. Well, that has now evolved a lot of that very same process of ideation and understanding what is what is the vibe of the brand, what's the ethos of the brand. And matching it with with influencers that will represent, hopefully, and connect with that demographic, with that audience. 
I want to double back to your earlier career days. You were on Wall Street at 18 years old. Was that, I mean, that's that, that sounds, I, I guess, impressive might be a word, but it, it sounds like a good place to be at 18. Did you see it that way? Yeah, no, of course. And, and just a couple disclaimers. So I didn't start out as a floor trader when I was 18. I was getting coffee and sandwiches. Okay. Um, my uh, my uncle at the time was a very very senior guy at at the firm that I worked for, so that didn't hurt. It was a good old nepotism, but it was an incredible experience because it was also sort of in that final inning of the golden era of Wall Street, where mm. you, we still traded stocks in fractions. There was still open outcry on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, meaning traders trading, yelling at each other, <laughs> hand signals. There was still paper tickets before it all went to electronic wow. tablets. People were still smoking, which was unbelievable because there was a sea of paper up to halfway up your shin. <laughs> and how the whole place didn't set on fire on a daily basis, I have absolutely no idea. Um, but but it was definitely no, it was an incredible experience and and one that I have trouble not you know looking back on very fondly. I was on the floor two weeks ago, I guess today or tomorrow, shooting some content. So I, I used to do seeing my CNBC stuff from Post Nine there on the floor of the Exchange, which is sort of right in front mm-hmm. of that iconic you know where the ring right. of the bell is. Yep. Uh, and we were shooting something for a, another network in a broadcast booth, and and I I was uh, lucky enough I had my girlfriend with me on the floor. That was the first time that she was down on the floor, and I found myself as I was sort of walking around introducing her to people and saying, you know, "This that's where I stood when I was 18, and I was getting coffee and all of that." You know, getting almost like teary eyed, you know, because it's such incredible history there. It's such a big part of New York. Downtown New York, we know where we are. My uncle, unfortunately, I went to law school. He went to Cannon Fitzgerald, and and unfortunately, died on September 11th. Oh, wow. He was running Sorry. the firm back on that day. But you know, again, it's put part part of our rich rich history here of, of Lower Manhattan and and Wall Street. And I was proud to have started that way. What brought you to law? My dad, third generation lawyer. I did not really have a choice. He said, "You going to law school? You you, you got in. You did well in your LSAT. You're going to go to law school." You don't have to practice. You can come back to Wall Street. You can you can come back to stock trading. But uh, what I realized when I got out was there's lots of lawyers that that go onto the investment side in that sort of order. But I was unique in that I had a Wall Street. But I understood how capital markets worked. I understood how you know equities and options because because the firm I worked for back then I'll say it was Lehman Brothers back back when they were one of the behemoths of Wall Street you know they had taken me through the training program mm. and I learned equities I learned options I learned commodities that that was a really unique mix of skill set that with with the law degree and so I so that's how I wound up and and did it did it for a while where are you do you see yourself where you are right now are you is, is this like your your best years ever are you in the prime right now or? <laughs> oh man right didn't we talk about that was going to be off limits and like what's what we're going to be allowed to talk about here today i listen i'm certainly i think i'm happier i think it's it's a less stressful place you know the the, the practice of law i know there's not too many people that shed tears for lawyers but it, it is a really really stressful job and if you look at the rates of alcohol and, and the alcoholism and suicide and failed marriages and things of like that. I think lawyers are in like the top three slots, right? In terms of like jobs that are have that kind of level of stress. So 
And even though I, I was always working for myself when I was practicing, I felt that. So I, I don't I don't miss that. I, I definitely like the 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 independence and and sort of getting away from from that very unhealthy lifestyle. But uh, is is this is this it? No, I certainly hope not. I haven't quite yet turned fifty, so I I love doing this. I love helping entrepreneurs. You know, I I run a family office now, which is basically, you know, invest in a lot of early stage and mid stage businesses in different industries. I love mentoring. I love using all the those tools that I put in the toolbox over all those years on Wall Street to help people build successful businesses and including but not limited to in the new media space, which I really love. So let's leave us with a, a, a mantra, a call to action, a step something that the listener can take with them to improve improve their goals and their lives going forward? Yeah, what do we uh, say to them? There's really one word, and that's learn, right? I mean, just there's so much going on. Blockchain has caused innovation at a rate that we have never seen before in human history, right? The last time we saw innovation at this pace was was the birth and the dawn of, of the internet and then the dot-com boom and bust and everything that came from that. So um, read as much as you can, right? And, and consume as much content as you can in areas that are appealing to you. Learn the tools that are out there if you want to be a content creator, if you want to have the opportunity to do things like this and, and be on a a show like this with somebody like yourself, Josh, learn about those tools and you can do it by watching YouTube videos. You can do it by reading. I mean, there's just so much information out there. So yeah, learn. That's, that's the main word that I would, that I would say, given it, given advice to people that, that are listening and that want to lean into this. Never been a better time. Never. What a soundbite. What a human. Mark Lopresti. Oh Thank you. Right. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Really the, appreciate you. It was my pleasure, Josh. Anytime. Thank you. It's Josh Carey, 710 WOR, the voice of New York. We'll talk again soon. Listen to conversations with leaders of some of the most innovative and cutting-edge companies on the Ari Zoldan Show. You'll learn about blockchain, cryptocurrency, clean tech, and industries pioneering the new economy. It's the Ari Zoldan Show, Saturday mornings at 5 a.m. right here on 710 WOR.